welcome to the Good Hard Story Podcast, where we believe that the good story and the hard story can be the exact same story. I'm Katherine Wolf, and I'm a stroke survivor, a speaker, an author, and co-founder of Hope Heals. Tune in here every week for conversations about wholeheartedly living in a good hard story. Join me in this joyful rebellion to the darkness where we discover the treasures hidden in our hurting. Hey friends, thank you so much for tuning in today. It's just a glorious day here at Hope Hills Camp and we have two incredible voices with us today. Heather and Josh Avis are joining us live from camp on our back porch, and we are so grateful you guys are here. Uh, yes, welcome, we're here. Welcome. We're so, so happy honored. to be here. And the amazing Jay Wuff is also with us. Hello. Uh, how are you? <laughs> Hello, I'm good. good to be here on the back porch. If sweating. for some reason you are not tuned in, listener, to Josh and Heather, you need to be. Mm-hmm. Their amazing organization called The Lucky Few is a national Down syndrome advocacy organization. Mm-hmm. Um, they have written an amazing New York Times bestselling book and, mm-hmm. above all, are the parents of... Three remarkable children, and we're just so blessed that this week, not only are they here as camp as campers, they are also teaching us. Oh my goodness, mm. they are the pastors to the volunteers at camp this week, and are this glorious blurring of the lines deal that we love so deeply <laughs> that everybody's kind of a camper, kind of a teacher, kind of a volunteer, <laughs> all in one, and y'all are living that out this week. Anyway, we are all actually what you guys are embodying this week, mm-hmm. that here at Hope Hills Camp, nobody's really just the teacher or just the camper or just the volunteer or just the anything. We're all combinations of it all, the... Mm-hmm good hard life that we're all living and um we're just really really blessed that y'all are here all the way from redlands california that's right what a beautiful thing (laughs) yesterday as we watched in the beautiful welcome parade the cars pull in from you know wyoming and montana and Missouri and Michigan and everywhere in between. Of course, I am crying, just amazed that people would come from so far. Um, But California would be just about the furthest of anywhere from Alabama. So I'm especially grateful for Californians who come all the way over here. Oh, gosh, we're so grateful to come here. I think they said the furthest someone came was in California, but a city a little farther than ours. Yeah, so yeah. Maybe so by close. like 40 miles. We almost <laughs> so won. Close. We almost oh, won. Sad. Well, yeah, I know there's some Los Angeles mm-hmm. and around. So. I, I love also um, what you guys are doing is shifting narratives. Right. I love that language. And we want to hear some of the narratives that you're shifting, but also how those narratives have come from a story that's personal. Um, and we so often talk about these personal stories that we share and are living feel oftentimes so isolating, nobody could understand them, or maybe it's just too much for anybody to bear, but usually there's a thread in them that is universal. And so what you guys are doing through the lens of your beautiful personal story is shifting these universal narratives and, and really painting a picture um, 
of a world where everybody belongs, yeah. uh, which is a world I want to live in, a world we all want to live in. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. tell us sort of how this narrative shifting story started for you both. Sure. I'll take that one. So um, I think we're getting a little taste of the world where everyone belongs mm. here at Hope Heals. That's mm. for oh, sure. I hope so. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So we came into parenthood. I went through some infertility and we came through the adoption space. And it's a super long story, but the faster version to touch on like what narrative shifting means, where that came from, is we went with the private agency, said no to all disabilities. Um, we wanted a healthy infant. My ideas around adoption have shifted significantly. That's mm. the narrative that has shifted yeah, significantly yeah. for me in the last 15 years. Um, and I thought, I'm going to get this baby and I'm going to take this baby. I'm going to run. It's not the way that adoption should ever be done. Mm. Um, but that's what I, I, I wanted a baby. My baby right. for me mm-hmm. is what I was pursuing. And so then we have this opportunity before us to adopt a little girl with Down syndrome. And it a lot of a lot's going on in like a two-week span, finding out about her. And in about a two-week span, we say yes to her. Um, but in that time, we were so opposed to bringing her home because there's this idea around Down syndrome that Down syndrome is bad and should be avoided. And like when someone gets a new diagnosis, inevitably people say, I'm so sorry. There's a lot of um, fear of the unknown. There's a lot of grief. And the grief part and all that, that's not a bad thing. You got to go through your own journey, right? Like you got to journey it yourself, mm-hmm. figure out how you're going to get on the other side of things. But we're terrified to bring this baby girl home. We know that, should we call her her, her our scariest and best? Yes. We bring her home. And I, I just had a moment Pretty early on, I'm holding her and I'm thinking, what were we so scared of? Like Mm. all of this narrative that we were being fed about Down syndrome that would have kept us from adopting her, the narrative that kept her birth parents from parenting her, um, none of that rings true in our lives right now. And then we got deep into the Down syndrome community and we're meeting parents and siblings and people with Down syndrome and educators and everybody connected to a person with Down syndrome. And they also have a similar story. They had this really negative idea Hmm. around Down syndrome to the point that they avoided it. I think the termination rate in the United States is like 70% solely oh. based on a diagnosis oh. that people would parent otherwise. Oh. So we're we're losing a whole population of people around a narrative that's not true, that's mm. being told by people who aren't in the story. Oh. And so we thought wow. this is a narrative that needs to shift, and we shift that narrative by sharing our stories and encouraging everyone else to share theirs. Wow. That's powerful. And I think who is telling your story is right. a— right is a profound question we all need to be asking. Mm-hmm. You know, who? What, what is the story we have been told about ourselves? Um, or what is the story that tapes that are playing that we're telling to ourselves about ourselves? Yeah. Um, and and knowing there is a power to shift those narratives, to, mm-hmm. to flip uh, that world upside down. And in so doing, like we're talking about like a population that is not on this planet mm-hmm. because of this narrative that is... It's just wrong. Yeah. Um, and what a beautiful opportunity to get to say, no, there's another story. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's beautiful. And it's good and hard, too. Yeah. Right. Oh, I mean, it's, it's so all good of, and hard. Yeah. yeah. It's not, we always yeah. say it's not all unicorns and rainbows. No. There's a lot that's hard about about having a child with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of it has little to do with Down syndrome and mm. a lot to do with the world that the world. continues to reject them. Yeah. Mm. Or would, not built for. I mm-hmm. would love mm-hmm. to hear from both of you or either one. What is the shift in the narrative that you should get to? What is the wrong narrative and what is the right narrative, I guess, if you could mm-hmm. answer that? Like, what's, why do we need to shift the narrative? I mean, I know why, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, this camp embodies it. I think 
I uh, agree. The, the, the day one, you're celebrated. And we're celebrating your humanity. Mm-hmm. And we're all human. We all have something in us, whether it's a, a physical disability, you can see it, or if it's inside, or if it's, you know, deep in our heart. But I think the first is is what we witnessed yesterday with cars coming in and we're saying, you're welcome here. We love you. You have worth. You are good. And that's the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And it the the world hasn't done that, but we can shift that. And I mean, it's it's those of us who have someone in our life with Down syndrome are few, and that's why we're lucky. And that's the the lucky few. Uh, yeah. yeah, I would say um, that the narrative is that there's a best way to be human, hmm. um, and people are striving towards that, and mostly to be feel to be left to feel miserable that you're never going to get there. And what we've learned is that just by being like breath in your lungs, heart beating in your chest, that's that's it. That's what it takes yeah. to have value and worth in this world. And so that intrinsic value and worth, that belovedness that is found in every human as they are. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to stop striving to be our very best self. But mm-hmm. my daughter, Mason, her very best self is always a person with Down syndrome. Right. And that doesn't take away from who she is. It just adds to her. So mm-hmm. that the narrative is within our own individual humanity, there's a belovedness that we can't earn that we can't work towards. It's just there. It's mm-hmm. intrinsic. Mm-hmm. And we recognize that, then we can s- begin to now see in others. And that's like this connection that I think our humanity is really longing for um, as we strive to be this version that we could never be. That's all just this lie that we're moving towards. Right. And then you have a child like Mason and you're like, wait, you're actually, she's not working super hard for this goal that that doesn't exist. She's like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Right. Here, I love me. This is who you are. I love you. I mean, you right. guys have been told. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I heard this already. Um, tell us from the start of kind of, again, your own personal shifting of narratives through your own personal story. How did that look when you began sharing that mm. that journey and and your life um, to a lot of people? I mean, your, your family is so beloved around the world, too, because of sort of oh. this showing of Macy's life, your life, your family's life, um, August and True. I mean, just... Your family is so just rich and your story is so magnetic and you have been so generous to offer that up to embody sort of this narrative shift. But tell us sort of that process. What did that look like over the years? Yeah, Uh, it is a journey that I'm still on. Yeah, And one that, well, I think I could say it started like this. When I was real young, I thought I knew everything, right? Like in my (laughs) early 20s, Macy came home (laughs) at 27. Hmm. I just knew a lot. Yeah, 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 and I don't know anything yeah. now. I'm 41. I know zero yeah, things. Knowing, yeah, and that's just absolutely. the journey of life. Uh-huh. But that that shift in my own life, I have a moment I remember with Mason. She was five, and we were at an organization that was for families who have kids with Down syndrome. That's like a learning program that's incredible in Southern California. And there was a moment when the woman who was facilitating the adult portion while our kids were in their portion said something like, isn't this why we're working so hard so our kids with Down syndrome can be more like their typical peers? And that really was a moment for me where everything shifted, where Mm -hmm. I thought, wait, no, that's not why I'm doing this. And why not? And what does it mean if that is why I'm doing this? And it's like, Mm -hmm. Mason comes into our life with Down syndrome and instantly it's like there's OT, PT, speech, early start teacher, try this vitamin, try this medication, all to what end? The end of her being less, more like people without Down syndrome. Mm, right. So right. for those first five years, I was running on that treadmill. Like, yes, mm, we're going to do this. And again, yeah. it's not all bad. There's a place for all of that. Right. But I needed that 
shift to happen in my mind and my heart and really like rock my foundation of understanding, wait a second, Mason, she's not going to present like these other people with Down syndrome. Mm. She's She might not ever live independently, She's but she's going to be the best version of herself. Mm. And that really shifted for me. And then we brought home our middle daughter, Truly, who doesn't have any disabilities. And even in the way that we parent her, I'm so grateful that she gets to just be the best version of her, right? Mm. And so we're not pushing her to be this incredible athlete or the best at all these things and sacrificing her well-being so that she can reach some goal that we need her to have so we have status in this world. Mm. And then August comes into our life, our son, he's uh, six years younger than Macy. And he's got some skills that he's already like far surpassed his older sister in. Mm. And I think if he was my first kid with Down syndrome, I'd be holding that banner of, Mm -hmm. look how good my kid with Down syndrome is because Mm. he can do things that Mm -hmm. kids without Down syndrome can do. But Mason really set that tone for me, totally shifted everything and how I move forward in the world as a parent, but also in interacting just with humans on a mm-hmm. level and with myself, mm-hmm. right? Like she's, mm-hmm. it's a freedom that she's offered me to be able to say, I'm going to do my absolute best. And that actually <laughs> is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we say that, but do we live it, right? Mm-hmm. Like do we step into it? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's powerful to, yeah, hear you articulate words around how Mason and August uh, and True also have been your teachers. Yeah. And that sounds like almost, um, it's a it's a universal thing. Disability has a way of yeah. being your tutor yeah. in life, your teacher, and it's. But deep. that sounds almost like I don't know, like trite or like how how is that true? You know, but then you really like are embodying. Yeah, you live it um, in community. Um, what it means to be truly free and in, mm-hmm. into who you are uniquely, and and then all these layers, though, as we we talk about like. Um, this beautiful spectrum of disability with all these different expressions. Yeah. And uh, there's even implicitly those some, I don't know, some hierarchies, some totally. biases, some um, ableism too. Can you, can you talk about For mm, sure. that? And again, that um, with such tenderness, we're all learning in this yeah. space, even after, you know, 15 years. Let me just ask this first. What have they taught you most? And then how have you struggled to kind of within the context of disability? Mm. Um, okay. Yeah. Sort of make a framework to say, Hey, you know what? Therapy's great, but like, this is who you are, and let's let's make the best version of yourself without sort of positioning, sort of hierarchies yeah. um, of what it means to be living the story of disability. It's interesting when we enter spaces with our kids. A lot of times, people will look at us like to answer for them, or they'll look at us for resources or or support or, or whatever it is. Like every like it's all on us to to provide that. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing we've learned over the years is is, well, what if we flip it and, and just be in a posture of listening and learning from, mm-hmm. from my kids, mm-hmm. from the disability space? What if we center voices of disability and get out of the way and learn something? And so my kids have taught me so much. My, you know, all three of them, they face more when they get up and walk out the door than I ever will in my life as an able-bodied right. guy. And so I try to model that for people when we meet them is, well, let's ask Macy. Let, or let's, how do we, what are we going to learn from Macy? What are we going to learn from August? August has an incredible heart of discernment and he's, he's wildly intuitive and he can pick it up really quickly. Mm-hmm. And so he can sense a room. He can, he can feel a room more than I ever can. And so how can I learn that from that, from, from mm-hmm. Augie? Our kids are a gift to every space they enter. And if we take that posture and learn from them, 
it does something to your heart. It really does. Right. It's like a real dismantling, like mm. dismantling of ableism is hard. It's daily. Mm. Wow. Yeah. How, how have you found, again, that hierarchy or that ableism, even in, you know, in all the spaces, uh, you know, the, the, the humbling realities, like it's here, it's in this beautiful Hope Hills camp in, yeah. in subtle ways and ways that maybe, you know, we're learning and, and wanting it's to acknowledge that. It's hopefully you're less. Yeah. 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 Hopefully. Hopefully. yeah, hopefully. But that's just kind of how the world is built, how, right. how systems are built around that. And how do we, as people of an upside down kingdom, sort of right. acknowledge that and try to build something different? Like, let's talk, I talk to us about like that. I feel like people of faith are, true people of faith long to create a world that mm-hmm. is more like Hobiel's camp, mm-hmm. where people are... Just bringing who they are to the table, mm-hmm. and that's enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the intrinsic value, mm-hmm. is that what you intrinsic said? Intrinsic value. The yeah. intrinsic value of each person that God created. So there's something that happened that's shifting that we have seen in the last few years, and it's very slight, but what we have seen is now the words, the lucky few, are associated with Down syndrome. Mm. And that didn't exist before, and that is a shift that's, not us. It's it's very like humbling to watch, wow. and so yeah, this it's so cool. I'm celebrate. Mm. So I think celebrate. that's so yeah. going from Down syndrome equals oh I'm sorry. Down syndrome equals oh man that's you're in for a hard life ahead. To when new parents find out they're having a kid with Down syndrome, they Google. It, and then something like the lucky few comes up, or a Ooh, book comes that's up. That's amazing. Or or something in in the social media space that. It's amazing to watch. Mm. It's like this camp. It's like, oh my gosh, this is magic. And it really it's a little, is. it's a mm-hmm. tiny little space. I mean, it, it, but it, it's a drop in the bucket, like you would say. Right. And and that's um, God that keeps uses us going. Our drops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Thank God for that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the shift that yeah. we all want to see. And in, in 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 the disability space, in the in this camp, in this the posture of. Oh my gosh, I get to be here. Oh my gosh, I get to experience this. Wow. This mm-hmm. that's and that's a that's like the upside down kingdom. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. beautiful. I would love to hear y'all speak to the faith traditions have really messed this up in a lot of ways. <laughs> and I don't know hardly anyone in the disability space who hasn't been pretty wounded by mm-hmm. truly well-meaning fellow believers who say really bizarre stuff and maybe some of the hijacking of the narrative that needs to happen is from people who just don't get it but think they have a biblical, in quotes, answer for mm-hmm. the suffering. Has that been y'all's experience is that people wanted to, I don't know, pray for yeah. healing and you're like, this is nuts. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I We've had Mason prayed for twice that from strangers. One was at a camp and the lady, they wanted to pray. And Macy at the time was really, had a lot of medical complications as well that would, had not they been healed, they would have significantly shortened her life. So we we were praying for healing over this. Mm. But they also then prayed for Down syndrome to be healed. And then one time, y'all, we were on vacation in Hawaii and Mason was probably three and a half. She was on auction the first two and a half years of her life. We were home most of that time. 
but we made it to Hawaii as soon as we could. <laughs> and um, we're walking on the beach, and this family stops us. And they want to talk to her, and she's this cute little girl with Down syndrome toddling around. I didn't see any other person with Down syndrome, so yeah, we're, we're chatting and asking them what they do. They said we're missionaries. I'm like, oh, in Hawaii? That's I'd love to know more about that. But <laughs> then they um, that sounds condescending. Sorry, I no, think that's no, great. No, it's like, no, good. they need Jesus there for sure, but not about yes, yes, Vic. Yes. Not about Heather. Vic. Can be a little spicy. Uh, right. But then it. they said, "Can we pray for you?" I'm like, "Yeah, we love prayer." And they also like laid hands on me. And started praying that she didn't, that God healed her of having Down syndrome. And right. I'm like, dear church people, mm. you don't get it. And if you don't get it, just lean in and listen. Like, mm-hmm. this is not the time to mm-hmm. be talking. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, I feel like with the church, there's, there's like logistically, it's hard to get people with disabilities in a building. Um, like, are there ramps? Right. Is it accessible? Right. All of that. And all of that comes at great sacrifice. And if we're going to be the body of Christ, Right. I mean, scripture, who are we sacrificing everything for? Mm. For those who are most vulnerable. And when you center the most vulnerable, the trickle out to everybody, it just, it, everybody benefits, you Mm. know, everybody benefits. So the church, I don't know, dear church, we can do better. And yeah, yeah. and it is disappointing because I've met the amount of families we've met over the years who were churchgoers and then Mm. had a child with a disability or had a disability themselves and no longer will step into a church um, Mm. as many. It's a lot of families. Very sad. Yeah, and I think it it all interrelates because if there's not the story of disability in yes. centered in the church, then you don't know yes. what's needed. Hey, I, I assume I need to pray for you to have a better right. life because right. you want this life, right? So th- yeah. this is the assumptions we make about what is a good life and what is the best version of life and yeah. how can I intersect my faith with this need that I assume you have, but actually maybe if I met you and you yeah. were in the community with me, I would understand what your real needs are, mm-hmm. what your desire is for your life mm-hmm. and uh, what gifts you want to offer and how you want to be known and how you want to contribute rather than just assuming I know and now I'm going to take care of it with this prayer that really the ripple effects of which have been devastating mm-hmm. uh, oh, in our gosh. community. I mean, um, so I think making space where everybody belongs and listening more. We talk a lot about the ministry of presence and tears. Mm-hmm. Versus just slapping a Bible verse on somebody's suffering. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, we say putting a Jesus mandate on a bullet wound is not going to help much. Yeah. We're gonna right. more, yeah. We're going to need way more of Jesus than that. But, yeah. but how Jesus would intersect the suffering would be with yeah. tenderness and compassion. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and, and, uh, and a seat at the table. And a seat at the table. Absolutely. Or a space at the table. Right. Yeah. Right. Space. Right. Right. And so, yeah, we long to be, uh, we long to shift the narrative in the faith community in that way yeah. too, even as Catherine has been on many wonderful stages that were not accessible and that we finally, you know, for years kind of would help her hobble up because she is able to, to walk some and then they'd have to bring the wheelchair. It was almost just like this walk of shame. And I'm just like, wait, why are we, uh, this is not, this is not helping anybody. Mm -hmm. And so we began to say, you know, could she walk up the stairs? Sure. Is she going to? No, because out of solidarity, we're going to say, yeah, Let's let's find a way, and and really, I mean, it gives me chills. Churches have built ramps yeah. for yeah. her to be there. Good. That now create a place yeah. for everybody. It who benefits like everybody to have. You and know, what a voice I there. I found yeah. is I wanted to come in with like guns blazing, like no, in solidarity with my brothers and sisters. And usually, it's me simply unpacking that, mm. and they're like, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Absolutely. Almost never people like hostile and weirded out. It's more like we didn't think about it. We never thought about it. And I'm like, how could you not think about it? That's so stupid. But whatever. Here we go. Like, build the ramp. And let's talk. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like 
church people in general and really our world don't know what they don't know. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so we got to teach them. Mm-hmm. And then once they know, you you know, I say once you see, you can't unsee. Yeah. Yeah. You can't go back. So it's um it's a trail you are blazing. Well, yeah. and this is interesting too as you're talking about Mason's health issues that are mm-hmm. um, separate but re- mm-hmm. related to her disability and her Down syndrome and all these things and sort of this idea too of the spectrum of what it means to be human, right? Um, also what it means to uh, experience disease and sickness. Mm-hmm. And so sort of all that's been lumped in this category, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. right? Disability, sickness, disease, all bad. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's pray it all the way. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even know uh, if I've thought of this because it's it's such a spectrum, right? But like, sure. how do we say, okay, here's some lines, you know, that mm. we, that might divide. Cause yeah. Mm. Do we want to pray for our friends healing yeah. from yeah. cancer? Yeah. Sure. Do we want to pray for Macy's heart to be strong? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but here's what, yeah. here's where the line shifts. Yeah. And I yeah. think so often we've just, you know, we've been taught to just lump all these things in yeah. that are not this idealized yeah. version of yeah. what it yeah. means to yeah. be human and make yeah. sure we pray and push people towards that. Mm. Um, and, and the line is blurry sometimes in, in people's mind, but yeah, how, how would you all think through yeah. or articulate that to folks who are who are meaning well and all of sure. us who who want everybody to live their full yeah. uh yeah, I've best and good life. I got a few things. I do too. Yeah. So oh, great. hold nice. on to it. Okay. You got I it? Love yeah. it. Okay. I got Duke it. it out there. Yeah. <laughs> See us do it. Go for it. Permission. <laughs> so I, as as we get older, I think more absolutes tend to go more into the tensions of both and. And that's what uh-huh. we're talking about right, in right, this right. podcast, oh, right? Sure. And so I have I had a hard time moving from this Western dualistic thinking of mm-hmm. it's this or that, it's black or white, it's yes or no, you're saved, you're not saved, to even just you can walk, you can't walk, like disability mm-hmm. or not. And and I I have moved into more of a is there a third way? And mm-hmm. I think I think disability opens a massive door of there has to be a third way. Mm-hmm. But I think our Western culture and our theology and and our wiring and our conditioning and our ableism has always said well, yeah, you just walk through the door. You just walk on the stage. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, no, wait a second. Let's let's back up. The lines are blurry. I, I love that you guys are not shy of controversial questions like how does faith and disability mix and how right. does, how does uh, this idea of where is the line, like you said, mm-hmm. and it's very blurry. It's nuanced. It's and so and I, I love that Mason has Down syndrome. I love that August has Down syndrome. But I also would never want anyone to not be healed of, of it's, it's tricky. It's like sickness. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think it makes it a messy space. But if you're vulnerable and you're a learner and you, mm-hmm. and you, and I think story changes everything yeah. that we can sit at this table and we can talk it out. And, and a lot of that is like just with proximity of listening to someone and getting to know their story. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. There's a man by the main name of Lamar Hardwick, and he wrote a book called Disability in the Church, and he's an autistic pastor. And in that book, he says, he talks about how people ask him these questions about like healing mm-hmm. or not. And he, and he has things to say about that, but he, this line stuck out to me. He said, we're asking the wrong question. Mm-hmm. It's not, are they being healed? It's, are they here? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's an wow. issue of, starting with our own heart. Like we, it's got to start, it's got to start internally. Um, and I think for people leading churches, it's got to be at, on the leadership level and it's got to be foundational. And you, we, you had brought up this idea of ableism. And the reality is just dis- once you're introduced to disability, it doesn't like snap undo ableism in your own life. It needs to be recognized that in, in our society, every church, 
every school, every community, everything has been built on the idea and for able-bodied neurotypical people. Mm -hmm. And unless we recognize that and start to tear it apart, not band-aid it, not build on it, but actually tear it apart Mm -hmm. and make that shift in our own lives, Mm -hmm. um, then we're just going to keep running into problems. So yeah, we're asking the wrong questions. Hmm. I think there's just such a mystery to all of it. But at the end of the day, as somebody is, are we seeing them as intrinsically value and worthy? Hmm. Are we making room for them so we can have proximity and relationship um, so that we can then know the story, so that we can then do the thing that needs to be done um, instead of just making big assumptions or this idea that people are well-intended Um I think there's a place for good intentions, but if we're not asking what's the impact of our mm. actions from those intentions, like we got to take it that next step, then there might not be oppor- as much opportunity for growth and for healing and for community and for all of us to be restored to one another and to this thing that Jesus and God created called the church that meant to serve a purpose that I will just real blatantly say isn't serving, isn't mm. doing it. The yeah. big C church. Mm. Yeah. Not everyone knows what that means, but... Right, um, absolutely. I think even too, when we think about that binary westernized version of, you know, good, bad, whatever, um, and this third way, it's really mm-hmm. the way of, of Jesus, right? Absolutely. And so yes. we we talk about another missionary, maybe not from Hawaii, I don't know where they're from, right. but sort of not a non-westernized part of the world who, say, who would say, look, when somebody in our community is sick, the first prayer is not for them to be healed. Mm-hmm. It's actually for them to be faithful. Mm. Um, in their suffering, for the community to surround and uplift and uphold them. For during them to point to Jesus season as they walk through with them. A pain, mm. right. Yeah. So it's kind of like even that's shifting a narrative of saying, yeah. prayer, this is good. It's good to enter in. It's mm. good to intercede. Right. But what are, what is it that we're praying for? Yeah. A, that um, this miracle, in a way, is right in front of us. You know, we're looking ahead or back at all the things that we don't have or that might not be, but what if we looked right in front of us and, and said, hey, we want to surround you so that you can keep hoping on this journey of suffering, no matter what the outcome is, no matter what the consequences are, that, that we'll hope for you until you mm, can hope yeah, for yourself yeah. again, right? And that we'll be faithful together as a community to to walk through the suffering with you. And that's that's just different. And it's it's way harder yeah. than just saying, hey, cross our fingers, maybe <laughs> it'll go away. Yeah. And I mean, that's great. Of course, nobody wants, no you know, wants cancer suffering, right. and suffering right, and totally. uh, sickness. But yeah, that's yeah. just that narrative shift changes mm-hmm. everything. Everything. I, it, yeah. I've written two children's book in my third one, my second one says align exactly who you are is exactly who we pick. And I, I think it's like along mm, those lines, love that. when somebody with disability is coming into a church space or any, when any of us walk in a space, how great is it when you walk in and the, the host in the room is like, Oh, I'm so happy you're here. I'm just as you are. I think it's more that I just couldn't even imagine. I just thought of this. I couldn't imagine. And Kathy, you might experience this having a, a physical disability or disability that you, that you see visually and walking into a church and a bunch of people in that church automatically thinking, who you are is not good. Let's pray for you. Mm-hmm. Like that's a go. Like mm-hmm. pray for healing. Pray for healing from this disability. It's like, wait, can I just be in this space and be me and be yeah. good? And yes, maybe there, maybe the person with the disability longs for healing. And yes, that is a good step if that's what's happening. But right. can we just enter the space as good? You're here. Yes, you're here. Exactly who you are is who we beautiful. want here. It's beautiful. I love that line. Exactly who you are is exactly who we pick. I can remember reading it when it came out to our little five year old. Mm-hmm. I think it was about three mm-hmm. years ago or less. It maybe. was last year. <laughs> oh, it was just last year. <laughs> My like, I had another one about like two years ago. Yeah. It's been ten Gosh, years. It's so okay, good well. too. Everybody, I, go get both of the books. What are the, what yeah, are the tell 
Oh yeah, the, the children's books are different, a great thing to be, and then everyone belongs. Oh, they're most so wonderful, good, beautiful. beautiful works, and so meaningful. And just knowing you guys in your heart changes how I read the book. Hmm. Like they're in it, they're living it. This Same. is powerful. I mean, the story is half of what the book means to me, yeah. even though it's. It's all for sure. And it's about like a talent show too, which we're right. actually going to have tonight right. at camp. We are. We're going to yeah. do one may, tonight. May get some of the, your kids um, right. participating. Right. And it made me think too, when you were talking about going to churches and saying like, can you get you up on the stage or whatever it is. At the end of the book, I'm giving it away, but it's a thousand words and you can, you can read it. <laughs> right. It's a picture book. But at the end, it, there a person comes up who's yeah. a wheelchair user and can't get up on stage. Right. And the girls have to say, this space is the problem, not how you get around. Mm. And I think that's what it is. It's like, as church people, as people who love the Lord, navigating the space, as non-disabled people navigating the space, like right. the space, the people with disabilities, if your go-to is that's the problem, there's something like your heart, there's something in your heart. Oh my gosh, I so agree. You know, there's something in the culture that needs to shift. That's where, that's the starting point. You know, so many times when I've spoken at a church that is older, say built, you know, 100 yes, years yeah. ago or something, the weird, super vigilant church lady is like, I'm so sorry, we'll need your husband to walk you onto the stage mm -hmm. and have your wheelchair there to you. I mean, I'm like, no. I'm so sorry. We're going to need to figure it out. We don't need to do it that way anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's just such a picture to me of like, yeah, a lot of things have happened in the past that we're going to need to change. Yep. Yeah. That's not like some glorious elevated thing. That was messed up then and it's yeah. messed up now. So well, tear it down. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> even the language around, it's interesting. You know, there's so just language is obviously so powerful and in this moment in time like language mm -hmm. has the power to just explode yeah <laughs> minds and relationships yeah. and trigger people all of that i mean right. it's just it's wild and um and yet even language that we put around these beloved communities can can transform but even language that once served us all shifts and, and people kind of like have a different take on mm -hmm. it and, and this is newer uh, conversation to me, but I think it might be helpful for folks listening. But even like the idea of special needs, which is sure. just a totally, you know, typical term, it seems like in this community. But, you know, it was explained to me like that term doesn't really serve anymore because this idea that your need to be human in a space, yeah. to eat, mm -hmm. to have access, that's not special. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's a typical human yep. need and right. right. And so human almost right. putting language around that meant to be helpful or distinctive or whatever is really creating this otherness mm -hmm. and this sort of condescension of like, okay, well, mm -hmm. your version of that is really, we're going to have to do some things to make that happen. And, yeah. you know, um, that was so just helpful with humility to say, you know, that's, that's not special. That's what sure. it means to be alive and you're here and you're human and let's, um, make a place for you. And if the space doesn't work, let's make it work. Let's yeah. build something different. Let's build a stage yeah, that, that works for everybody. And so, I don't know, I think, you know, there's this whole kind of language policing that also happens that I don't right. think is helpful. Like, let's for do sure. something. For but sure. to know that words are powerful yeah. and yeah. like really yeah. like, let's unpack yeah, they how matter. they may be received. Yes, it's interesting, the language thing, and, and we all have to remember, language is just like a river. I mean, it's constantly changing. Mm. New words are added to the dictionary, you know? <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. It's constantly changing, so there has to be grace for that too. Mm -hmm. But I have found in the last, I don't even know, three years, four years, five years, there's just been more people 
listening to people with disabilities. Uh-huh. Not more people with disabilities talking. Mm. They've been talking, but people are listening. Mm. And the vast majority of the disability community is saying, we don't want to hurt people first language. We're not ashamed of our disability. Mm. So call us disabled. Yeah. Right. And in the Down syndrome community, it's a people first. It's a person with Down syndrome. It's not a Down syndrome person. And so there is this sense, yeah, that it's it hard can to be keep up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but that it, but it is so important and it is so yeah. powerful. And I think that is just goes back to the people. If you are a non-disabled person, referring to someone with a disability, what are they saying? Right, like. What do they say? Totally. Yeah. And and for me, at least, I think it's changing a lot. And maybe that's yeah. okay. Maybe yeah. I, I can do that. Mm. I feel like when I was pregnant, I was a disabled pregnant woman. Uh-huh. And I decidedly felt like that's a thing. And then yes. when baby John was young, <laughs> I was a disabled mama. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard. And yeah. I think I wanted that mantle. And now I feel like, no, I'm a woman who loves with disabilities. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's like changing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's complicated and requires some more policing, but I mean But it, it is I can talk life. about myself yeah. the way I want that's to. Right. No, absolutely. No, no, that's right. true. You yeah. get to decide right. how you right. I want to be referred to. Absolutely. Totally. Absolutely. It is complicated. Right. But it's all it's also okay to get it wrong and and then and then say, Oh, uh, I'm sorry. It, it, it's okay to ask questions. Right. right. Catherine, how do you want me to address you? Mm-hmm. How do you want me to introduce you? Totally. Not, not, you know, and so people are, oh, oh, I knew a Downs person. I was like, and you have to be careful who you're talking to and, 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 and you, a lot of grace, a lot of grace. A lot of grace. But also, oh yeah, Mason's a human hmm. with right. Downs syndrome. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so, and I think we use humor more than, than, than not. And so I try to like make light because you don't want to shame people and you don't want right. to like school them. And, but also that simple conversation could change something, could open a door or, or, you know, yeah, so exactly again. right. We talk a lot about like, we are just dying to instill in our children and really anyone who will listen to have true curiosity yeah. without assumption. Yep. And it's got to start there yeah. in all realms yeah. is mm-hmm. get curious and don't assume you know. Yeah. Ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. Look people in the eye. Dignify yeah. their personhood and talk to them. Yeah. Don't think you know because you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we could live in a very different world if that was the case. That's we right. all were a little more curious without yes. making yeah. assumptions. Yes. Um, speaking of curious, this is the good hard. Yes. So we we want uh, to have everybody on here tell us what's good in their story right now and what's hard in their story right now and how do you sort of live in the tension of those? What maybe practice or what, yeah. you know, what are you doing that's helping you show up to a life that is both good and hard. Both in. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a trick question. <laughs> right? In this season, like, oh, dear, can you ask me oh, last year? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. We're in a hard year mm. and people go through that and it is just a hard year. So mm. without getting into detail, this yeah. is a hard, a what's hard, hard is this 2023. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, I think because our kids are who they are and because for 15 years we've just been in this both and life, right? Like this third way, this good hard story that two things can be true at once. Um, and I'm just really grateful for my husband and my three kids, like our family unit of five. Mm. We're good. Mm-hmm. We're good. Yeah. And that's a lot. Mm-hmm. That means a lot. So And y'all are good. Yeah, we're good. And I and today we are. And all we've got is this day. So mm-hmm. no. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'll embrace I'll embrace that's that. Enough. Yeah. What about you, babe? 
I don't know that I could say it better. Yeah, um, you asked in a, a really timely time, a, a really timely spot in our lives that I don't remember a harder year. And so um, I think it's, for me, I think it's just trying to be present in what we have and we right in front of us, like Heather said. And I came from a background that was, it's hard, but we're not going to talk about it or it's, it's hard, but I'm okay. And, and at least I don't, I'm not as bad as someone else or, and so I, I, I'm talking to a counselor who's like, you need to name it and call it out and you're burnt out and you're overwhelmed and you're crushed and bound down. And, and I think it's okay to say, and that's really hard. Right. Mm. Period. That's right. And then we experience camps like this. This is the good story. Mm. Honestly, mm. I, yeah. I look forward to this every year. And and what you guys are doing here is, is incredible. And it is a sacred holy ground for me. And it's it's a place that three spaces come together that is rare for us, and and that is uh, a disability space, uh, a camp, and a faith community that is holding each other together. Mm-hmm. But those spaces don't overlap for a lot of mm-hmm. us, right. and so this is a week that I look forward to. I you have to pull me from this place, <laughs> um, and I just really appreciate what you guys are doing. Well, I'm I'm so glad that you are saying. That it's a hard year yeah. because I would argue most people here would say it's been a hard year mm. and maybe would consistently say that yeah. year after year, maybe mm. not. But the fact that you are aware of that and speaking it and naming it is, at least from where I sit, half the battle mm. for me to say it is hard. It's very challenging, but what has been such a comfort to my heart is that it can be really hard, yeah. and yet I'm not in despair. Yeah. Yeah. What is that passage in Second Corinthians? Mm-hmm. We are hard-pressed, yeah. but not crushed. We yeah. are perplexed, but not in despair. Mm-hmm. And something like the knowledge, the acknowledging of that is part of the work of getting to the, I'm not in despair, yeah. but it is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And you, it's, it's healing me. You talk about the reaction to the heart. And that's where I'm having a hard time is the reaction. Would you would you consider could you expand on on what I've heard you say it a few times. This is your story, this is what you're in, but then how we react to it mm-hmm. is is it is important to you. Oh my gosh, I love this moment. You're asking me a question on the podcast. I love it's this. It's really I'm hard here for, for me it. right now. Yeah. I have like a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah I love it. Two. So you're, I, I think you're talking about specifically yeah. kind of you, get to, you get to decide how you feel about yeah. your story. Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah, it has been this crazy revelation later in life yeah. for me that like, oh wait, so I... I get to decide, like nothing in the outside world, nobody, no situation gets to make me go into the pit and makes me lay in bed all day and cry. No, I get Mm -hmm. to decide, and I didn't get to decide a lot of what's gone down. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. I'm aware of that. I'm acknowledging I am not in control of everything, Yeah. but I have complete control over how I think about it. Mm-hmm. And that is that is the superpower that we all have in our own heads as yeah. we get to decide now I I'm here and I own it. I acknowledge it. And 
I get to decide how I'm going to think about this. Yeah. And I think that for me, even this morning in our session, my prayer cry was like, Lord, here I am, but don't let me miss this mm. because I'm here. Mm. Like, yeah. which yeah. is so tricky because yeah. it's mm. the, like I'm here, but I don't want to miss that I'm here. But being here may be, in fact, me able to miss that I'm here. Mm. Yeah. No, let me be awake to this. Yeah. And I think that's really all yeah. of our prayer. Yeah. And because it's so hard, mm. we're like, I can't, I can't feel anymore. I gotta numb it and not feel because it's so heavy and hard. Yeah. And instead, like, no, acknowledge it's hard, but then acknowledge, mm. and I'm not crushed. Mm-hmm. I'm hard-pressed, but not crushed. And I think the reaction part, like, sometimes that does feel impossible. Like, you know, you guys are dealing with grief and loss and compounded things that have nothing even to do with disability, right. much of it, right? And yeah. so none of us get a quota on suffering because we have some hard things in our story. For sure. Plenty of other stuff <laughs> happens It's really hard. And so it, it does feel harder and harder to say, oh, I, I'm going to choose a different way. I'm going to yeah. choose to narrate this differently. It's like, I don't even know if I can keep showing up to this. Yeah. And so even that reaction feels almost out of our control a lot of times. But I think it is uh, our individual agency and choice eventually mm-hmm. of how we creatively show up to our life, the life that's right in front of us, not the one we had or the one we might have, this life in this body, yeah. these limitations, right? But we do that in community. Yeah, that's <laughs> so that good. My, my that's a really good. Say, you know what? Oh, I gosh. see all of the loss, and I can't believe this happened to you. And I'm mm. so sorry. But like, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. And like, that's a new story to start yeah. telling each other. So that community piece is huge because I, yeah. I agree with all that, and I think they're also in that choosing how you're gonna feel. hold your story and feel um, with someone that I love right now going through hard things. I'm saying you get to choose to feel really sad for as long as you need to feel sad. Yeah. Like you get to choose right. to right. feel devastated and heavy. Don't feel guilt for those. That's so natural in the process. Mm-hmm. And how much easier is the wrong word. How much more tolerable it all is when you're doing it in community. Yep. Yes. Yep. For yep. sure. Yeah. That's the word. I, I, I want to say I, after the stroke, spent five years living in a place of this is devastating yeah. and shocking and I'm not okay. Yeah. And I I don't know I can, if I can live this way. Yeah. And I'm I'm not talking about it and right. celebrating the goodness yeah. of God and the land of the living. Instead, it was, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to make it. Yeah. Yep. What do you mean I'll never drive a car again, walk unassisted, blah, blah, blah? Like, what does this mean for our lives? Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. there are seasons where right? oh, you were totally. there and then maybe you're not there. Yeah. And it's yeah. kind of waiting it out in a sense, mm-hmm. going well, through it, mm-hmm. doing the work of sitting in it. Yeah. Probably some of the deepest work a human can do. Yeah. Well, yeah. Avis is we're so proud of you and we're just honored to know you and learn from you and and then have this special community time where we sit across tables and say, Wow, we get it and we can't believe we're all here. Mm-hmm. And um man, thanks for doing the hard good hard Truly. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Where can people keep up with y'all? Tell us all the things. You can go to theluckyfew.com or heatheravis.com. They'll all be there on social media where 
the lucky few official. Okay, the lucky few official on social media. Yeah. The lucky few. And we have a podcast called the Lucky Few Podcast. Everything's under the Lucky Few, mm-hmm. and that's I have two co-hosts, and we have um we have over two hundred episodes, close to a million downloads. Brilliant. And it's two other women who have children with Down syndrome. We've got very differing experiences with our kids, and we mm-hmm. just have guests on and talk about our experiences. Wow. So helpful. So cool and so important. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Sweating it out. Yeah. (laughs) Sweating it out in Alabama. You people don't know what the weather is (laughs) from California. Worth it. Worth it. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on the Good Heart Story Podcast. To learn more about what we are doing, follow us on Instagram at Hope Heals. Check out all things Hope Heals at HopeHeals.com. Don't forget to subscribe to this wherever you get podcasts. And please feel free to share this episode with somebody who needs to hear it. Good Heart Story Podcast is a production of Good Heart Story, LLC. It is produced by Leah Case and Mary Austin Hall. And I am your fearless and fabulous host, Katherine Wolf. Come back and join us every week where we believe that the good story and the hard story can be the very same story. We are with you and for you, friends.